Hey y'all, welcome back to a Tuesday, June 7th, 2022 edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Sorry that there was no show on Monday. There was some scheduling issues, so we had to push uh, an episode back, but uh, this week should still be jam-packed with all kinds of different pods popping up here on the Chase Thomas Podcast and the Blue Wire Pod network feed, so make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to make sure that you never miss any of our content uh, coming down the pike this week. So uh, we've got all things Major League Baseball coming up in just one second on this edition of the podcast with Aaron Layton, who uh, covers uh, baseball with Just Baseball. Very good outlet, podcast, writing, all that good stuff over there at Just Baseball. So go keep up with those folks if you have not already done so. They're doing great work all across the board. Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, College World Series. Uh, we learned from Aram this weekend, or <laughs> from tonight, rather, that he is all in on the balls, who took care of business in the regionals this weekend as they head into uh, the Super Regionals this weekend against Notre Dame and the Fighting Golden Domer. So very excited to see what happens there, but... By and large, just uh, just fun time to be a Tennessee Volunteer fan. And, uh, you know, I had to pick uh, Aram's brain about uh, the Vols and what he thinks about their first-rounders for the summer and all that good stuff. So we talked about the Phillies, the Nationals. Uh, we talked about uh, Wilson Contreras, where he fits, Alvarez, and his extension with Houston, Cano, favorite teams to watch as of late, all that and more uh, with Aram. So thank you so much to him for coming on this edition of the podcast uh, make sure you check us out on YouTube. We're on youtube.com. Type in the Chase the Most Podcast. You'll find us there. Like and subscribe. Check out all of our great video content right there. That would be great. You can also uh, support my sports writing. Yeah, I'm writing every day. You can check me out over at sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Sportsrenaissanceman.substack.com. Um, all my written content wrote about uh, my late grandfather in Tennessee and Georgia Tech. That you can go uh, read over there. So go subscribe if you're not already. SportsRenaissanceMan.substack.com. All right, Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on a Monday afternoon on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I am now joined by old friend been on years ago now he yeah. has not been on the youtube version of this podcast where there's a video component but he's got the florida he's got the ken griffey jr he's got all kinds of stuff behind him it's it's a good it's a good layout like he doesn't have like the just the barrage of <laughs> sports memorabilia and stuff that i've got behind me on this uh podcast but aram layton is here aram good afternoon sir how are you man I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, I, I had to balance the the new with the old, so I had to throw up, you know, some of my favorites, Ken Griffey Jr., but also got to have the Florida Marlins nods, and then uh, even Mickey Mantle a little bit in the back. But uh, I love old baseball, love the modern stuff too, but I don't know if I get as excited about hanging up a jersey of a guy that hasn't retired yet. So Griffey, Griffey's always close to my heart, so that's I got to have that right, right above the bed. What's your number one Major League Baseball sports memorabilia item? Is it that? Is it Griffey? So I I had my grandfather pass down some baseball cards. So mm -hmm. uh, probably Babe Ruth, uh, nineteen thirty three Gaudi baseball card is probably my my most prized possession of of like sports memorabilia. That and the Ty Cobb as well. How much do you think the Ruth card goes for on the open market? If you put it up right now, what do you think it would go for? 
oh gosh, at, at its current condition, mm. I'd like to think like fifteen thousand. Oh my like god, that. which is crazy because he didn't pay that. I can promise you that. He told me he paid a few hundred bucks. It was you know he bought it fifty years ago. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy. I, I too much sentimental value. Uh, I hope I never get to the point where I have to sell that. Uh, but fortunately, have not hit that point yet. But hey, it's good to have in the back of your like hey in the back yeah, of your mind. It's absolutely. like hey. As I'm chasing this dream and doing baseball, just baseball. Hey, I don't need you guys. I don't need you guys. You want to put me on a, an assignment I don't want? Guess what? Here comes baseball card number one. It's coming out. Babe Ruth doing my own thing, buying my own little island. There you go. I mean, if you keep, if you hold on to it, who knows what it'll be like in 50 years? Like, I know, man. And that's why I love the vintage cards. So I've always yeah. been a collector and I've always held on to them. That would give me anxiety, though, as the kind of what the kind of person that I am. That would drive me. Like I had, uh, I recently got engaged, and um, oh, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. Um, but I like when you get the ring. One of the things you don't realize when you when you get the ring, and if you do it right by uh, getting a nice ring, then you have to hold on to it for <laughs> a certain amount of time. Like it's not like you immediately just do it, hand it over, and the anxiety that i felt having that thing on me and having to like always being wary of where it was and everything else uh, i don't wish that on anybody so i can only imagine like when you're moving and you're like having to double take you're like that card's still there right like you don't have to reveal where it is or anything like that but do you have that sometimes because i feel so, like that's how i would be it's so funny you say that because we moved right and we have the movers help us and everything yeah. and you know I took the cards. I put it in my car. I'm mm -hmm. like, I'll, I'll, I'll take this stuff. Don't worry about it. You guys save your space. I took the cards. I took some memorabilia and I, I, I drove it to the house myself. Cause I was like, if they were good guys, I trusted them, but I, I just can't put those things in anybody else's hand. So I am that same way locked mm. away in a safe and uh, fireproof and everything. And uh, that gives me as much peace of mind as you can get. Uh, but when we moved, I, I took care of that part of it myself. No doubt. There you go. There you go. Um, well, the Phillies also took care of something themselves this week, Aram. So <laughs> yeah. they, uh, there was reports last week. It's never good when it comes out. It's like the, the Joe Girardi's future is being mulled and mm -hmm. he's answering questions about his future and press conferences. And I don't know it, this was such a weird one because the Phillies, I mean, we're going on over a decade now where they just cannot get over the hump and get back to just consistent, good baseball they were close last year and this year with the expanded playoffs i think a lot of us looked at this team and how much they spent even with the defensive questions which has just been horrendous on the <laughs> defensive side of the ball they still had enough talent where you're like the top end talent and they'll hit enough where there's just too much talent in the lineup where it's like i just don't see how this team with their top three in their rotation with this uh with this offensive talent they don't get one of the wild card spots. Like this should be a playoff team theoretically. And that has not gone that way whatsoever. And now Joe Girardi's out. What do you what do you make of the Phillies moving on from Joe Girardi? And did you see this kind of season coming from the Phillies? You know, it's funny. It's such a I think you really encapsulated a lot of it because you know, we spent probably a good fifteen minutes on it on the last episode of the Just Baseball show, just like who, who do you point the finger at here? And, you know, they used, you know, Dave Dombrowski used the term or the phrase, you know, oh, we, we need a new voice. And mm. I just find it interesting that that new voice is the guy that worked directly alongside Joe Girardi, who was, who was the bench coach. You know, mm. I think it's a little bit of scapegoating. You know, we don't know what's going on behind this, you know, behind closed doors there. And yes, on paper, this team was extremely talented, but everybody knew the voids that this team had going into the year. I mean, you just hit on them. The bullpen 
better, still not good, bottom mm-hmm. third of the league. They're the worst defensive team in baseball, and they're on pace to be one of the worst ever. We knew that was going to be the case. And if their pitchers aren't exceeding expectations and they're not hitting you know, at you know a ridiculous rate, it's going to be hard to win ballgames that way, and that's exactly what we're seeing. I think they'll have ups and downs. The bats will get hot. They'll rattle off a bunch of wins. But their lows will be as low as anybody because when they're not pitching and they're not putting up 10 runs a game, it's going to be really hard to win ball games, and I think we saw that in the early going. And I don't really know if Joe Girardi is is the reason why they weren't winning out of the gate. We saw them play two two games well afterwards, but I, I don't know if that has as much to do with it. But maybe the new voice will help. Yeah, I mean, it's just the Phillies like the Clintech stuff did not go well. The farm system has never been where it needed to be, especially when this is what I think about when fans are just like the tear it down model and just the strip it down to the bare parts in baseball. And not every rebuild can go well. It's just not how baseball works. It's not how talent works. Like the majority of these guys, like I can tell you about Christian Pache and all kinds of former Braves and just coming up. It's like it's a different ball game when they get to the major leagues. But it's just one of those things where it can be painful and maybe the Orioles are turning the corner now. Maybe we'll see. I mean, there's more optimism there, I think than in recent years, but the way of doing it, like the Cubs or the Astros is just, it's a rarity. And we like to overestimate how easy it is to start from scratch and develop a farm system, uh, select the right guys, draft the right guys. And the Phillies have not done that. Like part of one of their things that we see it on display this year is a center field spot. Like they brought back Odubel Herrera to man center field. And part of the reason they had to do that, and even if you, like most people would say, like they should not have done that, and that should not have been the opening day situation for them. It was still like, that was a hole because the Mickey Moniak selection years yep. ago, where that has just not worked out. So you need those kind of guys, like what they did, which was good, which was spend money. And they assign Bryce Harper. They bring in Castellanos. You spent money. But you haven't drafted and developed well around that money to make it all work, to get that last little bit to get over the hump. And I think that's an under-talked-about portion of this. And this doesn't really fall on Dombrowski because this was not his uh, – Those a lot of those guys were not his guys. But I, I don't know. Like, what do you make of, as a prospect guy, the Phillies' yeah. inability to draft and develop well like Ammoniac? Yeah, I mean, the Moniac pick was nuts to me because nobody had him going number one. And that mm-hmm. was like the craziest part about it. They went under slot to save some money and and help them elsewhere. You know, that's a big factor in this whole thing, right, is, is how well do you draft and how well can you build your system up? They've done a few things. They've also traded away from their prospects over the years. You know, we've seen that as well. Uh, so you combine poor drafting with trading away prospects and, and you're going to be in trouble. And not only does it handcuff you in terms of, you know, building out roster depth, it also handcuffs you in terms of of assets, right? If you want to go get somebody, how are the Phillies going to go get uh, a piece at the deadline if they want to, if they're hanging in there? You know, they did do well in the early going, early results have looked good on their last two draft picks. Andrew Painter, first round pick this past year, pitcher, and also Mick Abel. Still very early for those guys. They have value. You could maybe trade them, but then your system's back to the worst in baseball. So they're in this weird in-between spot. And I think you've got the nail hit on the head here, which is just if you don't have that organizational depth, you're going to be in trouble. And if you even look at the Dodgers, they spend, but what do they have top to bottom? They have a really good farm system. You know, you look at the Astros, they spent in spots, 
But if you look at how many of their players are homegrown, you look at a lot of the best teams across baseball. Sure. They go out and say, sign some dudes, but a lot of their dudes are homegrown and that's why they're successful. Uh, It it also saves you money when you have the years of control and you're only going to get that unless you trade a bunch of assets to get a guy with control or he comes up through your system. So what do you do? If you're Dombrowski this summer, because you laid out, they, they don't have the capital to make a big trade to fix this. I don't think this is an easy fix. I think this defense is going to be rough the rest of the way, regardless of what they do. I think the bullpen's going to have issues. And then you have to kind of like, if you're a Phillies fan, this is part of the other question is like, Dombrowski's not going to be here for a long-term rebuild. He's not a long-term rebuild guy. So it's like when people want to talk about like, well, we have to strip it down and like this clearly didn't work. It's like, well, then you got to move on from Dombrowski too, because this is, then you have to do top to bottom because part of the important part of this is that like when you tear it down, you better have your guy in charge that you believe in that Mm -hmm. will hire the right guys to develop the farm the right way that you know we'll be there for the long haul and we'll be ready to steer that ship three to five years down the line. That's not the case in Philadelphia. They brought in a win-now general manager who has won World Series. Like, he has been successful doing what he's been doing. But I just, if Dombrowski's here, he's in Philadelphia. I don't see how they don't just keep trying to add and keep trying to find guys around the edges here, right? I think you got to find a way to, to add. And I, mm. I agree. Unless you want to start over, which Dombrowski's not your guy then at that mm. point. I think he'd resign before you even right. fired him if you, if you made that uh, case clear. You look at the roster. I mean, they have so much in financial commitments at this point. I, I mean, Bryce Harper's deal, they could trade that in two seconds realistically. Because Do you it, think it so? Is, it, it, I really think it's, it's a bargain relative mm. to most of the big contracts that you see. You know, it expires, you know, still before he's 40, which is setting a low bar, but most of them – go into those bad years and it's roughly on average about 25 million a little bit more on average annual value till he's age 38 i think Mm. you can justify that one but you look at all of their stars their core it's all 28 29 30 31 year olds and and they're locked up for a decent amount of time and a decent financial commitment you look at the starters aaron nola's already going to be 30 kyle gibson's 34 zach wheeler's sneaky 32 like the time is now and I, I think this team is flawed, but you can satisfy those flaws pretty easily. I think they're going to shuffle things around. And mm. I think if Alec Bohm continues to hit a little bit, maybe that's a guy that you look to trade because he's a liability defensively at third. And I always say that third is a power position. You can't be a contact-oriented guy at third unless you're DJ LeMahieu who can play all over and plays great defense. Mm. Uh, I, I think if you upgrade third, you upgrade center. And you can get a bullpen arm or two. I know that's a lot, but like that is something you could do without tearing down the roster, but it might be difficult. Maybe it's taking on money. You know, maybe it's bringing in a Kevin Kiermaier who can't hit, but you know, maybe you don't need to hit that much. Maybe the plus defense out there will help you. And then you go get a third baseman that can produce a bit more. That might be the move for them. And I think maybe even taking on more salary might unfortunately be the way to do it. I don't know if Philly's ownership is, is willing to do that, uh, but that's the way you can do it without maybe parting with all of your, or, very few, but all of your good prospects. I'm excited to see what happens there. Um, the Braves have not lost since their team meeting. Um, <laughs> so I don't know where the Phillies are like, that's a, that's a problem for them. Um, Cause the Mets are obviously, they're I think going to run away with this division. Oh, yeah. I think that's uh, locked in um, it, barring any more freak injuries for their yeah. stars. Like if they can just keep them away from smashing fingers <laughs> into doors and yeah. attacked by dogs and everything else that's been happening there. Um, you spoke about the Astros and I want to get your perspective on this because this was something that I thought was interesting about Houston 
And this has been kind of the way Crane and company have operated in Houston for years, which is that like they don't do long-term deals with their guys. Like that's just not the way they operate. Like they have drafted and developed extremely well, obviously. I mean, you go from Lundhau to the current group and it's they have not missed a beat. And part of that is hiring a Tampa Bay Rays longtime executive that helps there. But by and large, this operation still moving and still running and Carlos Correa is out the building. Guess what? They, they have Pena right right after him it's fine and we'll see if he keeps it up for a full season like that's a question is like can he can he do this for an entire season that's a lot asking for a lot uh from a rookie but when you look at alvarez and the deal that he got it kind of caught me by surprise a little bit four years and they've committed this is it's not like a bryce harper commitment but this is a commitment to him right and i mean this makes him the highest paid dh ever you know, mm-hmm. and, and I mean, I know we don't really see that many DHs come out at 24 and they're already locked in at DH. Uh, yeah. So I know it's a little bit of, of a, a testament to his lack of mobility. But here's the thing. He's one of the best hitters in the game already. And he's 24 years old. You look at what he's doing this year, uh, what he's already done in his career. And I mean, you have to ask yourself, what's the ceiling for Jordan mm-hmm. Alvarez? And, and the answer, no matter what I say, will make me sound crazy. And I think that's a guy you got to lock up. Uh, I don't think there's any doubts about the bat. Uh, there's very few guys that can make themselves this more, this much of a sure thing in 281, in 281 games. Mm-hmm. He's done that, and he's getting better every time we see him. And again, he's still 24 years old. It's roughly the same age as Adley Rutschman. Yeah. Uh, I, I would give this guy that exact amount every day of the week, even though DHs, you know, don't usually get as much money. They're going to get the best years out of Jordan Alvarez, even if he does wear down a little bit quicker than the average guy. And I think it was smart to do that. You leverage the pre-arbitration years to get cheaper, you know, overall contract here. And for Jordan, you know, get that generational wealth, get that money locked in. Uh, he has a little bit of a history of knee problems, but I think for both sides, it, 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 they both are protected and safe here and are getting, I think, a fair fair deal out of the situation. Do you think that's going to change now that there's a universal DH that that will be prioritized more and you'll see a lot more teams locking up these young guys as DHs for their prime years of like, okay, we know this guy can hit. Let's not worry about trying to teach him first base, right field, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a great question, and I think yes, if they're special. You know, hmm. it, it's it's one of those things where I feel like a lot of teams will feel like they can go find a DH. Now, we'll mm-hmm. go find a guy that's struggling defensively at another position and throw him a DH. But if somebody is showing you, like Jordan Alvarez, that the bat is that special, I think you could just say, just say hey, let's pencil this guy in a DH for the next half decade, and, and we're covered. And mm-hmm. we know we get that offensive production. So I think we're going to see more prospects that maybe would have been overlooked. Uh, mm-hmm. Vinny Pascantino is one of my favorite guys with the Royals right now, tearing it up in AAA. Those guys may not have gotten as long of a look because it would always be, where are we going to stick him? You know, mm-hmm. where is he going to play? And he'd be more of just an American League prospect. So the trickle down, I think, will will make that answer yes, because we're going to see more prospects that are positionless, quote unquote, get more time a day because – there's a spot for them in the lineup now uh, hmm. in both leagues. That's interesting. Who's the next D who's the next Alvarez? Is there someone in the minors right now who you could see? Uh, like positionless films? guy. Yeah. That, I mean, I would argue, like, I don't think he's going to be anything near, you know, from uh, near Jordan Alvarez, but uh, what we're seeing from Vinny Pascantino is pretty insane in, hmm. in the, uh, in the Royal system. I mean, he has absolutely been tearing it up. I think he's in 284 with 15 homers. In AAA mm-hmm. so far this year, 
that's a guy that I could see being, you know, in that in that conversation of just DH guy that rakes. I always said Ty France would be that guy, hmm. and now he's he's made a home at first base. But Ty France was a guy I always loved in, in that department as well. Michael Bush of the Dodgers is, hmm. is someone I would a hundred percent not be surprised if he was just locked up as a DH. He can get away with first base, passable second base but I, I could see him making a lot of DH appearances as well. And then don't forget Juan Yepes over with yeah. the Cardinals. That is a dude that I think is incredibly underrated offensively. Hmm. Yeah. I think with Freeman locked in LA, I think Bush will be fine being a DH for four to five years. If that's yeah. what the situation, um, this was, this wasn't on our list, but now I'm curious as a Braves guy. Um, I think one of the things I've been wondering about with Contreras now that, uh, Langoliers is in, uh, Oakland and he's out. And the Braves' future at catcher is just kind of questionable because Travis Darno is not the long-term answer there. He's fine. And I'm a big Darno guy. I like Darno. But where does Contreras fit? And it's like the dude can just hit. Like that's yeah. that much is just clear. And I wonder if the Braves and Alex Anthopoulos have to really consider making him a permanent DH type. Like at least because you just need his bat. Like this lineup has been rough for the majority of this year. And I just feel like you have to, they're, they're going to have to make a very difficult decision on what to do with Contreras, because if the defense never comes behind home plate, like where you can't stick him in the outfield and he's not a first baseman. So I don't know what do you have to transition him to be a full-time DH? I don't know. What would you do with Contreras? It's, it's a wonderful question because I don't think it's a coincidence that Contreras is raking now that he's not catching. Right. You, know, you imagine you're struggling behind the dish. You almost just feel like you're behind the eight ball at all times, right? Like mm. Even when you're at the plate, you're, you almost feel distracted to a degree. Like not having to worry about catching has clearly been a huge boost for William Contreras. And I don't know if you want to mess that up. Mm. Uh, and you talk about Darno in the short term. He's not the answer long term. I love Shane Langliers, but it was a no-brainer to trade him for someone like Matt Olson, of course. Yeah. But it does lead to the question, you know, what do you do at catcher? I think, you know, you could you could put Contreras back there a couple games a week if you really wanted to and try to find another catcher, uh, you know, in a Jan Gomes type that can, you know, hold it down in the meantime. But I would really just focus on the bat. I really would because I, I really believe that we're seeing this improvement because he can just focus on hitting. Mm -hmm. But that being said, he's, he's kind of stuck at DH. And it's not like Marcelo Zuna's great in the outfield right now. His arm's right. gone. Um, so you're in a little bit of a tough spot there. At 24 years old, I would keep trying to run Contreras out there and mm. left and just see if he can figure it out. But, I mean, it's, it is it is not that pretty out there. Uh, I would try it a little bit longer, see if he can improve. And if not, I think you got to deal with him in the DH spot because, they, like you said, the Braves need the bat too much right now. It helps having Michael Harris now in center. Um, he's I, not Christian Pache where he's just otherworldly defensively, but Harris is really good. good. He's, He's really, really good. good. So that will help if you want to put Contreras in left field, right? Like if you have Acuna and Harris in center and right, that will at least shield and protect him a little bit, right? Yeah, 100%. And you have Dansby Swanson playing yeah. elite defense at short. Ozzie Albies is phenomenal at second. Like this isn't a Philly situation. You can <laughs> give up a little bit in left. And I agree. I mean, Michael Harris has gotten better and better. And I talked to some guys in double A actually, and they said, that was the only dude where you, you would put it in center field and you just assumed it was an out. Like hmm. you felt bad off the bat, no matter how hard you hit it. Like he's really become that kind of guy in center. He keeps getting better. That helps you. And like you said, Ronnie, you know, and right seeming to get his legs under him, made a nice mm -hmm. catch the other night, starting to get more comfortable uh, and pushing the limits. And then Austin Riley, I can't get a gauge. Some, sometimes he's great defensively. Some metrics mm -hmm. say he's not. I 
think it's indisputable that he's improved drastically. And that's Mm -hmm. the larger point. So I think you can give up a little defense in left field. I would agree. Um, We have bigger problems than Austin Riley, I would say. Um, Miguel Anduar, though, where does he end up? So he's like, I'm not getting demoted. I'm not going back to AAA. Just trade me. He's had a really rough uh, last little bit in New York. Um, He's been someone who's like, oh, well, you look at him and you're like, Gary Sanchez got out. And there's some guys where getting away from New York and kind of just getting a fresh start, like he's still young enough where, I don't know, like there's a possibility you throw him in a lot of different teams where you're like, I could I could see a turnaround. What do you what do you think Anduar, uh, or actually where do you think he would fit best? And do you think he's still someone that a team should take a, a long-term flyer on? You know, I would take a flyer on him, you know, no doubt about it. If I'm a team that's really, you know, in need of offense, I, I don't know why the Milwaukee Brewers wouldn't wouldn't take a crack. You know, yeah. why, why not? If, you, if you're a team that could use some offense, why not the Milwaukee Brewers? You know, I, that, that's the first team that really came to mind for me because I look at them and I'm like, yes, you would like to have a guy that could play all over the field and and honestly, and Duhar can't really do that. It's, it's poor third base, passable first base. Uh, you could throw him in the outfield and it won't be the worst thing you've ever saw. Uh, but again, if, if I'm making the case for Contreras, I'll make the same case for the Brewers who, you know, have fine defenders in, in, in every spot. I think they're better than that. If anything, their pitching is great. And they could even just use Andujar as, as a guy that plays four or five days a week. Mm. His bat's going to tick up in that in that hitter's park. And don't forget, the guy had 27 home runs in 2018. Right. He was a good hitter. He's been an above average hitter in AAA this year. I would take a flyer on him if I were the Milwaukee Brewers. And and I'm curious if that's a, a team that might be interested because they could definitely use just another bat in the fold over there uh, without a doubt. Or if you're the Brewers, you're just like, I'd rather win the NL Central without any offense. I would rather <laughs> win with like all of our top three hitters being like a WRC plus below 100. That's they, what we're going to do. They love that. Yes. And it's amazing. It's amazing how they do it. But like, I'm always looking. I'm like, just, just take <laughs> another hitter. Just, just throw another guy in the fold. It's just not their DNA for whatever reason. It would drive me nuts as a Brewers fan. And I also, when you're going through stuff and you're going through boxers, you're like, how did they score eight runs tonight? When you when you look at this raw, like I just I don't know how they score seven runs, eight runs. It just it always baffles me. Um, who do you think moves from Washington this summer? Because Strasburg, the thing about him is the thoracic outlet what is it called thoracic thoracic outlet syndrome. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. sound right when I say outlet syndrome. Yeah, but the the track record of guys coming back from that and being who they were is just bleak 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 um and it sucks because strasburg was awesome but he got his ring like the thing about strasburg is he put on an unbelievable postseason run he proved everything he needed to prove he's uh, just gonna be one of the best pitchers of the last 20 years in this league he's fine his legacy's fine but you look at him you look at corbin that deal did not go well for dc but He's going to be someone who you have to monitor on the on the free agency on the, the trade market. They killed Nelson Cruz this year for I, I don't know why they did that, but Nelson Cruz, we got to get him out of there to uh, keep playing because I want this man playing baseball until he's in his fifties. Um, but you look at this roster; it is uh, it has a lot of guys who, if they do a fire sale, because we'll see what happens with the ownership situation. That like outside of Juan Soto, who they would still be extremely silly to move. Um, who makes the most sense and who do you think you'd be most intrigued by getting moved this summer? So that's the crazy part, man, is I remember looking at this team going into the year and I'm like, how do they, how do they write this ship? Because mm-hmm. yes, you have one of the best hitters in baseball, but 
outside of that, how do you how do you improve your farm system? The system's not good. Um, I, I honestly, when I'm going out and and looking at you know watching minor league game and I see a Nationals affiliates playing, I'm not thrilled about it. Uh, you know, I'm like, how do they get these prospects? The good news for them is that Josh Bell has been hitting really well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think he's slowed down a little bit since the hot start, but 302, 376, 426 slash line so far this year. He's a switch hitting first baseman with control who's 29. That's the number one target, I think, for them, you know, th- this season. I, I think a lot of teams are going to be looking for a lefty bat. He satisfies that plus the switch hitting ability. Uh, you know, he is limited to first base, but I could see a lot of teams being interested in a Josh Bell who has just drastically improved in, in his overall approach, striking out as the least he's ever struck out, uh, walking at a decent clip. Like he, he's definitely been much improved outside of him though. I mean, how many guys are you really going to be interested in? I could see a team maybe throwing a, a basically nothing for a Yadiel Hernandez as a depth piece. But mm-hmm. other than that, you're, you're going straight to the bullpen. And, you know, I think they are going to get something for Paolo Espino. They're going to get something for T- Tanner Rainey. Uh, but, I really think the only guy that's worth anything that they're going to move is is a Josh Bell. Mm. Do you, so you don't think Corbin gets moved this summer? I don't see how anyone takes that deal. Yeah, I, I don't see how anyone would take that contract. It's kind of a disaster. Yeah, I just I was thinking about it. Like, who really would him? I don't know. It just sucks. Like that just really sucks for him. And the Nationals. It's so weird because, like you said, the farm system's not good. But the Nationals, I give a pass. Like I think the learners have been one of baseball's best owners, and that's something. If I'm a Nationals fan, I'm extremely concerned about because if they do sell, the oper- the odds of getting back to back good owners who want to spend is very very thin. And I just I don't think that's realistic, which would scare the crap out of me as a Nationals fan. But I also think, hey, it worked. They kept trying. They kept trading prospects. Mike Rizzo had hit, like the whole DNA thing. He kind of had that Dave Dombrowski in him, where he's like, I'm gonna keep. Uh, trading away these prospects, I'm going to keep taking swings, and we're going to win a title. And they, and they won a title. Yeah. And they could they they didn't have to like that whole run is still amazing. Like the bullpen sucked. Like they were yeah. what 22 and 28 at one point, and they could have just packed it in. No. So I think if you're a DC fan, yes, this sucks. I think it's going to be pretty bleak for a while. Uh, but you got your ring. I think it worked. And I'm curious to see if Rizzo is part of this. Uh, if he's the guy, like when we talk about Dabrowski, if he wants to be around for a rebuild, do you want Rizzo to be the GM making those trades and setting you up for the future? If that's just never been his DNA and that he might not even be there to see it through. I, I think that's an excellent question. And, and and it might not, he might not be the guy, you know, cause mm. you talked about in the importance of drafting and, and that's something that the nationals have to do because they don't, mm. they're not going to be able to trade guys. Uh, and also a note on, on Corbin 24 million next year. And then the final year of the contract, $35 million in, in 2024. So yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't. Oh, I know where to send him. I got it. It's what? Texas rehab. Like the starting pitcher rehab is just <laughs> incredible. He gets yeah, the Mike Minor, yeah. Lance Lynn syndrome in Texas. Just send him to Texas. That's where you send I, everybody. At. Matt Moore still throwing out there. Yes, like it, I'm telling you, whatever's in the water in Arlington, I don't know what it is, but they've got it cooking with older guys. <laughs> but I mean, it, 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 that's it, right? You got to find like some crazy suitor. I, I am interested mm. to see how they how they go about it um, because. They do have a lot to figure out, but I think step one is is locking up Soto. Two, you know, maybe being able to go and get some some younger free agents to start building around that, and then you got to hit on your draft picks. And I think that's the biggest pressure there. They've got a lot of pitching uh, prospects that are starting to make their way through the system. That that's encouraging, uh, but they need bats, and it'll be interesting to see how they continue to try to get those. But if you're Soto, 
I mean, we all talk about, like, you can't trade Soto. But, like, if you're Juan Soto, that's got to be tough where you're going to have to sign in and you're like, all right, I'm signing into a really, really bad situation for a while. Like, I'm going to be by myself playing bat. Like, just we're going to lose a lot of games for several years. I'll be paid handsomely well, generational wealth, all that's great. But, oh, my God, we're going to lose a lot of baseball games for a long time. And, and it's affecting him too, right? Because right. he's not seeing a lot to hit. I mean, mm-hmm. He's hitting 228 this year, but he's also got an 831 OPS, 45 walks against 46 hits. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is literally getting – why would you pitch to Juan Soto? Right. I'd rather pitch to Alcides Escobar and Michael Franco. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the thing too. At what point, you know, after this season, is there a chance that he says, I don't want to deal with this. Right. I don't want to do this for three more years, four more years, five more years, however long it takes to build a good lineup. Why would I want to be pitched around for the exactly. remainder of my days? Uh, so, you know, he's still only 23, which is, you know, works in his favor. But at a certain point, you want to be pitched to and you want to have some teammates that can uh, carry their their slack. And that's just not the case. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, Cano, is there anything left? Does he sign with anybody else? Is he get a DH spot with anybody else? Is this it? Uh, for one of my favorite swings in baseball history. Yeah, I mean, I love the swing. I'm going to miss Robbie Cano. Maybe one more team takes a flyer. I doubt it. I mm. I think he's cooked. Um, yeah. You know, we saw the flash of like a little bit of life in 2020, and he mm. gets popped for PEDs. Uh, and, you know, he just really hasn't swung it since. Uh, the bat is just slower now. He can't catch up. He can't play defense. Uh, he's, he's our, you know, how he is as a player. It's not like he's going to bring you this Albert Pujols level of, of, you know, wisdom and, and, you know, leadership to the clubhouse necessarily. I I don't know if Robbie Cano is really a guy that's going to get another opportunity anywhere else. Mm. Um, who's been your favorite team to watch of late, both in the minors and the majors. So I'll I'll start with the minors because There's there's a couple teams I love out there, but uh, I, the Eugene Emeralds, which is the high A team for the San Francisco Giants, they right. are the most loaded team in the minors. I always talk about them. Huh. They've got Marco Luciano, who, as you know, top 15 prospect in baseball, top 10 by many. Uh, Luis Matos, who's a top 50 prospect for us, had a slow start, uh, but we have him in the top 50 in just baseball.com. Kyle Harrison, left-handed pitcher, top 100 guy, has been uh, you know in there for that week for the most of the year, just got promoted. Uh, Casey Schmidt, like a bunch of other dudes that are just really swinging it well. I think they've got four top 100 guys and just eight legitimate potential big leaguers that I'm really excited about. And the Akron Rubber Ducks, double A for the Guardians, is also super loaded. Hmm. Uh, ton of fun pitching over there, so I like that team a lot too. Uh, on the big league side, man, I mean, I'm always looking for for offense. I'll be honest because I grew up, you know, a Marlins fan, and hmm. you know, it was a lot of offense, and then it was you know, no pitching. And then it was now more pitching, not a lot of offense. And so I watch a lot of Marlins games still. Uh, I think a facet of my following on Twitter is still Marlins fans. Would so you not consider I, yourself a fan anymore? Is it gone? I, I'm still a Marlins fan. It's just yeah. like, it's, it gets to the point now where it's just like, if they win, it's, it's nice. I enjoy it. Mm. Uh, but when they lose it, it just doesn't hurt me anymore. Yeah. It doesn't really do That's anything. just part of getting older. Yeah. It, it's, I think it's a combination of getting older and a combination of just getting numb to it. They haven't finished over 500 since 2009. Can you imagine an Orioles fan at this point? Oh, my gosh. It's like once you turn the corner in the rebuild, it's like we are so conditional to losing. It's like you can't even really enjoy it anymore. Like you're just you're disenchanted. 
Yeah, and I'm seeing it amongst Marlins fans. So, you yeah. know, I, I really do. It was the Angels for a while. I really mm-hmm. – because I love Mike Trout, obviously. Who doesn't? Shohei Otani is must-see TV. But then it was also like, oh, wow, this team has some pitching now. And, yeah. oh, I love Brandon Marsh, one of my favorite prospects. Like, this was a fun team to follow. Rendon starting to show signs of life. And now they hit the wall again, and it's mm-hmm. like, Ooh, what's going on? Mariners haven't played great this year, but I love watching the Mariners too. Because, again, mm-hmm. I'm always going to take the hybrid of – Talented big leaguers with young guys. Julio Rodriguez, I think, is must-see TV and starting to really figure it out. I yeah. love their young pitchers. I love Ty France, as I've mentioned earlier. Uh, and and I love J.P. Crawford. I think he's mm. so much fun to watch as well and is really offensively breaking out. Um, and then the last one I, I really enjoy is the Cardinals. Uh, that that lineup, one through nine, is even though some guys are not performing at the level, you know, Tyler O'Neill, not, not the Tyler O'Neill we saw last year, but – Paul Goldschmidt is on another level. Nolan Arenado is one of my favorite players of all time. I might get lucky and get some Albert Pujols ABs, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, so I love watching. And who's the, the rookie who's mashing right now? What's his name? Uh, Juan Yepes is mashing, but then you also have. Um, him. Who am I thinking of? Hmm. Who's the other one? Who's been mashing? It's not Yepes. It's who am I thinking of right now? I'm trying to think in the Cardinals who's been hitting well. Uh, this is driving me nuts. I've read about him multiple. Hold on, why am I blanking on this? Why am I blanking on this? This is the thing about a national podcast. Uh, where is he? Where is he? Gorman. That's it. Gorman. I'm oh, Gorman just getting up. Yeah. Yes. No one's saying Norman. Gorman. Yes. Nolan Gorman, another guy mm. that came up, you know, they brought him up quick, like forced mm. him up. He, he was, he's young and, yeah. and had, you know, sad some concerns, swing and miss concerns and has come up and just crushed baseball. So, you know, you have the combination of young guys like Yepes, Gorman, Carlson, uh, and then also the veterans like Arenado and Goldschmidt and then the tweeners like Bader and O'Neill. And it's a fun team. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a big fan. I'd like to see them get some pitching. Uh, and I know Jack Flaherty coming back will help, but they're still really fun to watch. And I can watch Adam Wainwright pitch any day of the week. Have you watched any Tennessee baseball this spring? I have. That team is ridiculous. So, you know, I'm a big Tennessee guy. I'm here at graduate school at UT and watch every Tennessee baseball game. And uh, we've become the villains of college baseball. Uh, oh, which I love. I, yes. I like them leaning into that because I, they're one of the heaviest favorites we've seen in a while. And, like, yeah. you need to almost fire yourself up in different ways. And you already have the target on your back. You know, why not just be the most hated team? I'm here Jordan Beck rounding first and flicking off the outfield as he, that was incredible. Like that was people insane. get so mad. Hmm? That was insane. Yeah. People get pissed. And so we actually went out to, for just baseball. Yeah. Uh, we went out to cover the sec tournament and mm. of course, rain, 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 right. rain turns into the Alabama invitational for us. We saw <laughs> two Bama games. We saw Bama versus Georgia. And then we saw uh, Bama versus Arkansas, which was actually a great ball game. Right. Uh, but that was it. And then we had to move on to our next minor league stop. So it sucked. We were really excited to see Tennessee. Didn't get to see them in person. Mm. Uh, but what they're doing is historic right now. I mean, it is it is insanity. So when you look at the top three, do, who, do you think, or for their group, so you think it's Blade, do you think it's Beck, and do you think Gilbert, are they all for sure going in the first round? It's it's a really interesting draft because there's not that many college arms that I, I love this year. Um, Do you love so Blade? I think you guys can. I, I like Blade. I, okay. I think Blake. I think he needs to prove that you know he can be stretched out, and that's something I'm very interested to see. And, and Tennessee guys like recently are starting to have that that track record of being able to almost just 
you know, look at Garrett Crochet, just go straight right. to the bullpen at a big league level and, and compete. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, how teams perceive Blade. You know, mm. does he, are they hoping that it'll be more of that starter that they can count on, or is he more of a bullpen arm? And uh, what I will say, though, is is a lot of these Tennessee guys have proven that they can add velo and sustain it. And, you know, I, I'm very interested to see where some of these guys, you know, wind up. But I'm a, I'm a big fan of Blade Tidwell. I think, I think he's a stud. What about Ben Joyce in the 105.5? Do you think he, like, what do you think he, I have no idea what he is at the next level. You know, I think he's a guy that, I think he's the next Crochet, but maybe hmm. better. You know, I yeah. think he, you draft that guy and you know that he can almost, he could be Brandon Finnegan-esque, if you remember with the Royals, where pitched hmm. in the College World Series yeah. and then pitched in the Major League World Series in the same year. Um, Finnegan flamed out. I think Joyce is a guy that, that won't flame out, like, at least as quickly. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Joyce is I don't even want to waste his bullets in the minors. Like you don't right. know how, how long an arm that throws one Oh six is going to survive. <laughs> uh, and I hate to, to talk of a player that way, but we just yeah. don't know. Like I would rather him use his bullets at the big league level almost right away. If Crochet would you try him as a do, starter, I, I don't, I don't think so. Okay. I, I think they send him straight to the bullpen and, mm. and, you know, put him in a big league situation like right away. I could see the hmm. Padres doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's why I thought they picked Kevin Cops last year. Or, huh. That's why I thought they did it last time. I do not miss that man whatsoever. Cops not being in my rough. life anymore is fantastic. But that you, series, have you seen the Arkansas-Oklahoma State series and the way that's gone back and forth? It's I insane. Was, I was staying up as late as I could last night to watch Those two, that. the fans and everything else, like it's been chaos. Like college baseball, we're in chaos mode right now. It is. It is so much fun, though. I think that's the best thing for it, right? Yeah. I mean, you have the squeeze play on. It's it's mm-hmm. probably my favorite thing in the world. You know, yeah. I like watching the individual games, but if I don't know what to watch, you throw that on. It's action all day long because yeah. there's something going on in every game at every moment, and and that's the coolest thing in the world. Do you think Tennessee does it? Do you think they run the gauntlet? Yeah, I, I I don't. I, I put a decent bet down on Tennessee to win. Did you really? All. Yeah, I, you know, I just I was looking from top to bottom. There you go. You get a lifelong spot in this podcast. Let's so. go. I love it. I, the way I look at it is this: I mean, the offense we know what they can do, but mm. to combine that with with the pitching depth, I, what this ends up turning into usually in the College Road Series is who has the most arms, mm. uh, and and I think they have by far you know the most lights out arms of anybody you're going to see out there. And then the offense goes toe for toe with anybody. Yes. You could catch them on a bad day, but I think with the structure of, of the college world series, I think they'll be able to survive. I don't think you can catch them twice. And uh, that's I, the I thing. It's like, if it was single elimination, I would be more concerned because yeah, I, I think yeah. they're, we're going to have an off night. I mean, Saturday and Sunday were off. Like this yeah. team put themselves in back to back holes. And for most teams that's lights out. And for this team, they're just, they take runs personally. I think uh, who was it? Peter Burns uh, on ESPN, the SEC Network, was like they take uh, loss or they take runs against them personally, and they just get it gets them pissed off when you score on them. Like it wakes them up, and you see that with Beck, where he like, I mean Gilbert in the SEC tournament is the best example of this, where you walked um, Beck to get to Gilbert in a bases loaded spot like the cleanup hitter you walk back to get to gilbert and he took that so personally and obviously had a big rbi double score three but yeah i uh i don't know i just don't know how you get this team twice but we have seen the way which is dolander and drew beam having back-to-back bad starts and if that continues and that's a problem we have to worry about because they're young beams a freshman um dolander is still pretty young and he just moved up from southern to uh to ut so we'll see like he's never been rocked like that uh this whole season so we'll see how he responds like we haven't seen it so we're just gonna have to see what he does against notre dame next weekend but 
I don't know. I am. I'm very excited. I'm, I'm very, very excited. So I think I'm going to go to Omaha. Like as long as we make it, because we lost both of uh, the Omaha games last year. I want to see us get win a couple before I do that. Yeah. Um, but then like be there for the end is uh, is the game plan. I think we went. So I went for the first time last year for, yeah. for just baseball, and it was probably one of the coolest environments I've been mm. in. It was really awesome. Um, Omaha is is. I mean, it, I don't think there's very many play like college situations, sports situations in general that are as cool as, as Omaha and how the whole world revolves around the college world series there. Mm. Uh, if your team's making a run, I, I would definitely, I would definitely make the trip out there. It's, you won't regret it um, with, with how cool the environment is. There you go. Aaron, what can the good folks check out from you and the great uh, team over there at just baseball this week? Yeah. So just baseball.com. We're turning out articles, you know, every single day uh, covering every single team across uh, the game, which, you know, I'm really excited about what we're building over there at the website. And then the just baseball show podcast every single day uh, to check things out over there as well. And uh, you can keep up with me on Twitter at arm Nate and at just BB media on Twitter as well. And we're on YouTube. We did make the big YouTube jump also. So uh, just baseball fans on YouTube as well. If you want to follow along over there. There you go. We'll keep up the great work, sir. Enjoy the grind this summer, and uh, we'll have to reconnect soon. Anytime, my man. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this edition of the Chase Most Podcast here on the Blue Wire Pod Network. Make sure you go check out all of our other great shows across Blue Wire Pod Network, whether that's uh, The Green Light with Chris Long, Wide Receiver One with Chris Carter, Spinsters with Haley O'Shaughnessy and Jordan Liggins. Uh, we got uh, all kinds of great programs. Insight with Chris Van Fleet. Um, just a jam-packed uh, network that we've got uh, with all kinds of great shows. So go check all of them out. Uh, Road Tripping with uh, Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry. Just uh, great to be a part of that team and uh, just excited to see uh, where things are headed. Uh, thank you for sticking around for part one here on the Chase Must Podcast. We're just a one-parter uh, today. Uh, back to more jam-packed shows as the week progresses. But yeah, I appreciate you guys checking out and spending uh, part of your Tuesday with me and the Chase Must Podcast. I greatly appreciate it. Hope you guys will return and check us out tomorrow with new content on this very feed. So make sure you're subscribed if you're not already, so that you never miss any of the new content and updates here. Uh, on the podcast so tweet at me at chase double underscore thomas like the facebook page at facebook.com slash chase thomas writer check us out on youtube youtube.com type in the chase thomas podcast like and subscribe there uh, follow me on uh, substack sports renaissance man substack.com type in your email and make sure you're subscribed today and uh yeah all that and more uh do that email me chase thomas podcast at gmail.com all right talk to you all tomorrow guys have yourself a great rest of your Tuesday. Uncle Derek, how'd I do? Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.